<laughs> Welcome back to uh, How to Fall Apart with me, not Leadon Hines, <laughs> Sophie White. I've taken over another podcast. <laughs> um, I have been invited in to interview my best friend, which is deadly because, as she just said, I know where the bodies are buried. And uh, <laughs> there's no bodies. I brought my own shovel. <laughs> <laughs> there are no bodies um this is weird you're a guest on your podcast i is know this strange are you scared um, that i'm going to take this time to I'm plug my own podcast really, no that's totally fine you're so kind to come on and do this <laughs> i am like, suddenly really nervous but i feel like you know probably a good thing to do in that i am constantly asking people incredibly personal questions so time to offer up something of yourself and indeed you have, <laughs> yes. but not too much. <laughs> no, it's so, it's so funny. So we're here to talk about Leiden Hines' new book, How to Fall Apart, which is the, like the story behind this podcast, isn't it? Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Um, and it, so, so it's actually really lovely that you've actually totally established this space in the last, I mean, more than a year now, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was um, like April last year. Mm. Yeah. So you kind of established this space where you talk to so many different people about just like a kind of a, a kind of boundless sort of multitude mm-hmm. of, of trauma, which sounds like it's a depressing space, <laughs> but it's so uplifting. I think every week I think, you know, I like read the description about what interviewee you have on this week and it'll be kind of maybe a little detail just on like what they may have come through that mm-hmm. they are picking up the pieces in the aftermath of. And I've always been like, oh my God, like the stuff that people weather and and really women most particularly I think yeah um, and uh, and then it's always such an uplifting listen and I think it, you come away just feeling really affirmed I mean like I don't want to like like name anyone over anyone else mm. but I mean I really remember particularly Elle Gordon's episode I know yeah just being a day maker um, oh yeah and that sentiment I completely carry over to how to fall apart the book because so I first got a draft of how to fall apart very I'm very blessed <laughs> um <laughs> a good few months ago now mm. wasn't it was it before Christmas yeah it was yeah it was around Christmas mm. and anyway like I remember just like opening it up being like a couple of pages now as I go to bed here but you know I most nights wake myself up by dropping a book or a phone on my own face uh <laughs> you know it's 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 trying I have three kids (laughs) under six and um I just stayed up and read it through in one sitting which does not happen ever with me yeah it was such a relief when you texted me it was almost 12 o'clock and I know like nine is late for you so it's like okay she definitely hasn't gone to the lengths of like setting the alarm oh you know waking up just to reassure me because that would be well that's dedicated no I just couldn't put it down Mm. and I think that it is um it's just such an absorbing um narrative and I think just the way you write is so it's beautiful and it's evocative, but it's very comforting as well. Oh, thank and you. I think I was just saying on, I definitely was saying in person to someone a few days ago, and I think I shared it to my Instagram, that I just feel like How to Fall Apart is such a hug of a book. Oh, that's lovely. And I remember we were discussing, obviously, there are logistics of bringing books out in mm-hmm. a global pandemic. Mm. And I remember <laughs> in my really gross always eye on the bottom line commercial way was like how to fall apart couldn't be coming at a better time I mean we're on the goddamn floor just like as a as a human race at this point um but it's really true and so it is the story of you coming through just a really really difficult part of your life Mm. and the subheads which I absolutely love are how to fall apart 
From breaking up to book clubs to being enough, things I've learned about finding and losing love. Mm. And um, I just genuinely think it's actually massively relatable for anyone who's really encountered any kind of loss. And that is all of us. So Mm. while it is a breakup of a marriage, it's just, I think it's a grief. And I think anyone who has really ever experienced these very universal things of Mm. losing... I was even thinking about, say, the loss of friendships mm. um, and how friendships break down. And, you know, I was chatting recently to Marion Keys. That was her, just bang, drop that name. Um, <laughs> and we were talking about how there's really no blueprint for weathering the breakup of friendships and mm. how that can be really difficult mm. in everybody's lives too. So mm. I just basically, there isn't a single goddamn person out there who has any excuse to not buy this book because <laughs> it's wonderful. And thank you so much. saying that. <laughs> um, the beginning of this book starts at the end. Yes. Um, or an end. Mm. And um, the opening line is very evocative. Nobody goes into a marriage thinking it will fall apart. Mm. And tell me a little bit about that. I suppose there's curiosity mm. about the end of a relationship. And I think that you from the off in How to Fall Apart just I mean I think you're really generous with your experience around the breakup but Mm. you are talking about the after yeah so there is a fabulous um paragraph if I may read very briefly go ahead Um, (laughs) I'm auditioning to do the audiobook Uh, (laughs) so um and it's this really harks back actually to the kind of experience that we've all just come through in lockdown Mm. but it is in the chapter ships in the night and it's just talking about that kind of ending point Mm -hmm. and you're saying two people shuffling awkwardly around each other each in their own bubble of isolation in our case a heavy storm grounds the entire country for several days just before he moves out if you want to know if your marriage is really over spend four days trapped with the other person (laughs) in a small two up two down house you might be surprised by how quickly the place becomes a pressure cooker and I'm sure there is a lot of vehement nodding going on to everyone's <laughs> listening. So tell me just like a briefly about kind of that time, because it is a hard, very hard decision to end a marriage. Mm. And a, I think sometimes arguably harder when there isn't a calamity yeah. on the table between the two people. Totally. I yeah. heard you describe it as something died between you. It wasn't yeah. a kind of infidelity or anything Black no. and white. That and can I, sometimes, I think, just guide a person. 100%. Mm-hmm. And it was in that as sense. As hurtful as it is, of course. Totally. And it was in that sense um, one of the hardest decisions that, and it was a mutual decision that, you know, but I'll obviously just speak for myself, that I had to make in the sense that it, beca- because there's a child involved mm. that made it so much harder because exactly there wasn't, you know, when something's not a definitive bang, this is over. Um, it was so strange. I felt like it wasn't my decision to make in a way because what you're instigating, if you instigate the end, is going to affect the life of the person you love the most in the world so definitively. Mm. Um, and I, I, so I think you can really start to um, kind of bargain with yourself and, you know, the situation and think like, uh, you know oh well we could just stay until she's 18 and you kind of like can kind of compromise on what you th- really would think like to think that you deserve in terms of your yeah, happiness, your happiness in life yeah. you know and mm. um, because um partly like I say because as a child and also just because um ending a marriage uh you know is 
or ending any kind of long-term relationship you're looking at tearing up every part of your life you know it's like getting the duvet and like shaking it and mm. everything's going to go up you know from the minute you open your eyes you know it's it that's what's involved in that loss and so walking into that and instigating that together or as individually whatever the situation is it's not something that is um you know that you're going to run towards and I think like yeah. I kind of think of it sometimes as like looking at the sun like you can only kind of do it in like short bursts you know until you can kind of it's not necessarily something that you're like wake up one morning you're like this is what we need to do and this is what we're gonna do you kind of have to you know take it on board kind of slowly almost incrementally until you're able to take on the reality of this and I think and this is something you know, you hear people discussing around addictions that you have to reach a point where staying as things are becomes more painful than whatever the change is going to bring on board. And I think maybe getting to that point where you realize this isn't tenable to stay like this. Mm. But getting there can be so hard. And I really and slow and slow. And mm. I just and also, you know, like you know you hear people kind of sometimes saying oh they shouldn't have stayed and it was better for the kid would it be you know mm. like I, I just think oh god you know you don't know what's involved in making that decision you know and especially like it's probably easier for typically women of our age like you know I already had like a career you know I had a whole life around me that wasn't gonna that was gonna sustain me yeah you know so that made it definitely easier than you know maybe someone else maybe of a different generation whatever who wouldn't have had you know would have been also taking on like you know I've talked to mutual friends of ours whose parents have separated and they've said, you know, my mother had to make a completely new social life because she was, it was ended. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what some people are facing into is that kind of drop off of every aspect of their life. Mm. It's actually interesting because at another point you do say it is impossible to be a woman now and not to some extent be performing your own version of the notion of womanhood Mm. that's imposed upon us all. Mm. We cannot simply be, we women, we must be a kind of woman Mm. essentially. Mm. And I think that's quite interesting in connecting to that point because I suppose it's a you're breaking a kind of a social contract. 100%, yeah. And you're taking on like, you know, it could be in really broad brushstrokes but we all have a certain idea of how our life is going to be Mm. and so in ending a marriage you are letting go of a just the way you personally might have thought things were going to be and like some of the things like I look back and I'm mortified you know that I'm like oh I'll never get to have a semi-detached like god's sake I'm bloody lucky to own it you know what I mean (laughs) like that I'm like oh god but you know it might be we'll go in on one together okay (laughs) (laughs) I have similar middle class aspirations (laughs) Sarah and I are going to in a show and we're in the back garden <laughs> he needs to get on board with that um but you know or it might be like I personally actually was just never had the, you know you might have wanted more children that might have been a really big part of a loss for you know of the loss of that absolutely. life absolutely you're grieving you know, a potential a pot- future yeah, yeah and the thing is with our futures as just people it's very natural we're constantly every day investing in that potential future that we that's want it. for ourselves and our loved that's ones that's it so yeah. like you can't you know diminish how heavy that is to lose that but like you said there there's also then the outer like you know 
signs of what we should be doing absolutely or you know how signs that are um that we are succeeding at life and that was really like for me one of the major points of writing um writing the book was to just push back a little bit on that idea of like there are marks that you need to reach to me- that mean that you are living a, a life that is successful and succeeding yes yeah exactly absolutely. and that if you're not hitting these points that your life is in some way lesser and um, because coming through all this that really has not been my experience like I've, you know once I've passed through the most difficult parts I feel like you know you can have a completely rounded happy just as content life um, absolutely yeah. and not be hitting these these kind of goals that are set up especially for women I think yeah the kind of just I suppose trajectory that's offered to us from a exactly. terrifyingly yeah. young age Disney and <laughs> um, yes, and it so is. it's obviously it's beautifully written it's, there's a lot of very kind of arresting imagery in the book and even in the kind of notion of falling apart mm. which I think you use a kind of like a kind of a refrain mm. in the book of like when your life falls apart mm-hmm. and it's very it's very effective it's all you know it's kind of prose that kind of is so lyrical and there's a oh, rhythm to it it's it's just a pleasure to read and I kind of was wondering say like was there a moment that still comes to you mm. um, from your life that kind of is your touchstone for that is falling apart? That is what falling yeah, apart definitely. is to me. Um, I uh, was sitting at home on my couch mm. and I had come home from being on holiday with my parents um, and my daughter where I behaved like a na- nightmare teenager. It's the only way to describe it. <laughs> like just refusing. Wait, to, you or yeah, the toddler? No, no, me. Me, I'm really like my mother would heartily agree if she could hear this. Just you know, t- but I I was exhausted. I remember being exhausted on the holiday and like sitting on the leather couch and it's hot and, st- and kind of peeling myself off. Just the effort of even getting up was just so exhausting. And I came home from this holiday and sitting on my couch at and home. Where were you at in the kind of process? This was of probably the a month be- or two before we decided to end oh, it. Oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, and. So you're really in the thick of it. Uh, yeah. And I was sitting on my couch at home mm. and I could almost see a cloud hovering over me. It mm. was that um, visceral. Uh, it was like a rectangular, like a mattress with kind of padding around the edge. Mm. Um, and I thought that's coming for me and it's going to pull me under. I could almost cr- like I remember it so well. And I thought that's depression. Yeah. And that's going to pull me under. And I just like it was like a voice shout in my head. No, this is not happening. I'm not going to be depressed. And obviously nobody can say definitively, oh, I'm not the kind of person who gets depressed. But I knew then that I I could do so. I must have known, I suppose I could do something to change this, you know, and I thought of my daughter and I thought, you know, mm. I'm not letting this happen. And I so maybe that was the rock bottom. Another level. Yeah. You yeah. Were seeing another kind of a chasm opening That's up. It. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I could go this there is so where it's going. easily. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose that's an interesting point for that to come about because you obviously had been putting your daughter, you know, just not ahead of your needs exactly, but like you know, she was absolutely the kind of main thing in your head at all this. Mm. And I suppose maybe that moment gave you clarity around kind of needing to oxygen mask your own face for both of us absolutely yeah Yeah, yeah, totally yeah Um, I mean it's a cliche for a reason peeps yeah (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so that that jumps out immediately as a definitely like a turning point where I felt um like I interviewed um Daniela Moyles uh for this podcast the other day and she's studying psychotherapy and she had a phrase for this it's liminal something and it's basically when you 
get to that moment where you just have the moment of clarity and mm. you can see um you know that things are wrong and things need to change mm. and that we often like come to that and then go back, back again off. yeah because mm. it can be so so scary it's mm. so scary it is brutally honest i think sometimes when mm. you hear that your work is brutally honest mm. it can send kind of a shock of fear because you're going oh my god what did i let slip through that i haven't thought about here <laughs> but i think for a lot of people it's the thought of sharing themselves to this degree mm. would make them nervous would scare them yeah and i have to ask because i mm. think it's something that's always in people's heads like of course. how do you feel around that um yeah, I think <clears throat> way less nervous than I thought I would um, around the book coming out specifically. I thought mm. I'd feel really nervous this week or two. Mm. And I think we've talked about this, that I kind of decided a few weeks ago, you know, there's so much stressful stuff going on in the world. Mm. I'm not letting this become one of those things. Like I've worked really hard on this. It's coming out. I'm just going to celebrate and kind of treat it like that. So I'm kind of choking on the dry throat here. Um, but in general, um, two things. I've written a column for a few years that this book was inspired by. Mm. So it's not my first time putting out very personal stuff. Mm. I'm very comfortable about what my boundaries are. We've talked about this before about how, you know, like you're not, you share, you don't, you know what you share, that you don't share everything you think about it, you know. Um, so there's stuff obviously that I haven't shared. And, and I, I suppose I, I really went back and forth in that. You know, mm. I, I, if there was anything that niggled, I talked to my mom, you and Kira Doherty, our mutual editor. Um, I think I interview women all the time about very personal stuff in my journalism. And so I'm very aware of like the kind of thing, you know, of, of the care that you need to take around all of that. Mm. And... I've given that a lot of thought in my own work. So I suppose I'm, I am sensitive to the kind of things that can become a hostage to fortune and catching mm. those. And, mm. and, you know, so I'm, I'm tuned into that. But then also, and I don't mean to sound cavalier here, because obviously I had to describe to somebody the other day, the producer of my audiobook, and he was like, I'm sorry, I haven't, I haven't looked at the book yet. And I was like, well, if you can imagine that I've published my diary and I'm now going to spend three <laughs> days writing, reading that to you. Like, I'm obviously aware of how, how is he personal. cute? Um, oh, no. We'll cut that. We'll cut that. That was just me being shallow. <laughs> um, so that's going to be it. <clears throat> Awkward. Oh, that is so funny. But, uh, yeah, um, the poor guy. <laughs> but of I course it is like, nothing is it like fiction that. or non-fiction. And, but the thing is that <laughs> I do think that a lot of it is like, you know, it's quite universal stuff. Like anyone who's gone through a breakup is going, and I know this in messages I get, is, is going to identify the stuff. But like you say, like grief comes up a lot when you're interviewing people, obviously who's gone, gone through something. Mm. And we all feel the same things obviously to different degrees yeah and in different um it's not linear but people feel and go through the same thing so like mm. I'm writing about emotions in that book you know yeah and to me to me and I don't nobody should feel pressure to feel they should be but that's not scary to me to write about how I felt I went through a ba- breakup it was really difficult mm. no shit Sherlock you know so and I, I don't mean <laughs> to be fr- flippant and it is obviously something that you think about and like I say you know, there was some stuff that I would niggle at me and I'd take it out or, I'd, you know, go back and forth. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, maybe there's a part as well that, you know, you don't really think of anyone beyond like, again, my mom, you and my editor reading it. Yeah. So um, when people, I'm doing interviews and people quote things back and you're like, oh, right, yeah, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I'm really, I'm very comfortable with everything that's in the book. You know, it was given a lot of thought. 
Yeah. And it's it's interesting because you're there like, I'm writing about emotions. I mean, you're not like big whoop. I'm writing about emotions, guys. Let's all just get on board. (laughs) (laughs) But you are in a lot of uh, parts of the book talking about anger. And Mm. I just... I just so loved these passages Mm. because I just think that it's actually doing a service to talk about women's anger Mm. because, I mean, it's not just women, but, you know, from from childhood, we're really not taught well how to cope with anger. We're actually told that it's pretty unacceptable. Yeah. And it's it's such a dangerous way to to deal with the anger of children. And like, I'm really grateful for all the um, therapy I've had (laughs) that I'm not better at mothering, but I am at least very conscious if I'm trying to sort of like diminish or deny my kids' emotions. Yeah, because it is our instinct, isn't it? I've noticed that with Sarah. Oh yeah, because you just want them to stop feeling the unpleasant thing and that's totally natural. But it definitely, reading this book, um, it really made me feel more normal in my anger, my rage. And I really think that's so bloody good. Um, You know, you've got a great passage here. An angry woman is, quote, hysterical, raving, neurotic, out of control, you know? Mm. And I mean, you do talk about the kind of very infuriating paradox that an angry man is, quote, impassioned, strong, threatening, Mm -hmm. powerful. Um, Sad seems like an acceptable emotion for a woman, for a mother, soft sorrowful but in some way cleansing too Mm -hmm. um anger is violent um it's physically uncomfortable Mm. who wants to be an angry woman i certainly didn't Mm. but you detail your anger and it's so powerful and how did it feel kind of unpacking those feelings of anger so i think for me um i think i had come to a place of acceptance pretty quickly because maybe subconsciously you're realizing things you know for a time that you might be didn't realize on a conscious level so I felt like I've accepted that this is over um and I want to move on my life and it'll be sad and it'll be hard yeah like anger is like beside the point like I've accepted it you don't want to be angry no it just felt like really like let's just skip that stage of grief like (laughs) why do I need to be you know I mean I've accepted this and and of course I had, there was anger. Um, and um, the counsellor, Helen, in the book, um, she said it was literally the best thing anyone's ever said to me. So I was going into her like loads and being like, no, I'm not angry at all. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> and she's like, mm-hmm. not even a niggle? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> um, and she, the way she put it was that one of the problems with anger is that it's quite a scary emotion to feel. Mm. And so she said, imagine it like music and it mm. will crescendo. And when it's crescendoing, you can get to the point where you're like, I can't handle this. I actually can't. And you tamp it down and you deny it. Mm. And actually what you need to do is sit with it because it will then... Um, I'm trying to remember my mum, the music teacher's um, word for... Decrescendo? Yeah, thank you. Is that the word? I don't know. Sauté <laughs> voté or something? Uh, anyway, do some on. Do some <laughs> something. something fancy it in will French, disappear. probably. Exactly. But, uh, and that was so... Because that's the same with any emotion as well. You can apply that. Mm. And that was... Yeah, so, it, it know, does dissipate. But sitting in the discomfort sitting in the is dis- very exactly. challenging. It's very yeah. challenging. And I... that that sentence comes back her saying that comes back to me I also found so like I read the entire internet on first person accounts of other women who had gone through <laughs> and I remember reading articles I think it was on the pool by Elizabeth Day and she talked about anger after her own divorce and how she used to go to use that anger to go to she'd go to like spinning classes and boxing classes and it struck me that like anger is quite energizing mm. which isn't a bad thing when you're grieving because you if in you know if you can 
manipulative property or whatever it doesn't overcome you because you know grief is so exhausting mm. um and so I do think that anger if you can I suppose harness it a little bit because later in the book I talk about when the anger dies mm. and anger I think can mask some of your sadness that you're maybe not ready to feel yeah. at an early stage so you're like you're angry and you're kind of railing against like I was angry just at um you know that the life I had planned and the life for my daughter had not turned out. I wasn't really angry at a p- specific person. I was just angry at the situation. Yeah, it's like me being angry at COVID. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, <laughs> we're all hating that little blob. Like, you need something to put on. But yeah, so, and then later on, when your anger properly dies down and you realize oh god I'm really sad in a yeah, way that I yeah. wasn't ready to feel and then you're like on. damn yeah anger was like more <laughs> yeah exactly oh. yeah. yeah so but definitely and I can see it like I say like my daughter is six next week and you know she was really angry at the start of COVID and she was like I want to punch you and my instinct was to be like oh punch you know and I happened I was interviewing Tony Bates for our last series the psychologist, psychologist. And yeah, yeah he's amazing and he told me about a similar situation with his nine-year-old son when they were trapped in a snowstorm. And he actually started doing like wrestling and boxing matches with him mm. and letting the kid get his anger out that way. And his son, now 40, still remembers his dad, like, he- you know, helping him really with yeah, his anger. Yeah, that's fascinating. Which was amazing. Yeah, and like now, like I've passed it on to my brother. He does the wrestling with her. Absolutely. But and the thing is like with really kids and things, they find ways, it's called stimming, mm. you know, to... um just kind of it's a it's a type of physical processing of yes. what they're experiencing like you know emotionally yeah. and um yeah. you know it's something that adults do as well and mm. they don't you mightn't even recognize that you do it yeah do you know that kind yeah. of way like because it's more obvious with children because sometimes they'll be they'll like rubbing certain textures yes you know moving things around in a certain mm. way and mm. like or whatever but like i am a proud loud and proud 35 year old thumb sucker yeah I'll never give it up you yeah. can't make me it's wonderful <laughs> being an adult thumb sucker and being like no mom and dad I'm sticking with it or even say knitting provides me with that kind of exactly. release as well yeah so it's so um yeah it just makes oh, so much sense really yeah and um, that we're you know trying to I suppose transform the emotion mm. I- into a positive it, you know instead of acting out I yeah. suppose yeah. you know I mean obviously sometimes you really do need to scream into a pillow as well and you say that in the book and I think <laughs> I particularly appreciate your honesty about that and when you were writing the book mm. did you have like a routine or because there's insights into your life here that you know they make me feel pretty lazy to be honest <laughs> you know I think you know it's just that I suppose like you're Speaking to, I think, a generation of <clears throat> women, many of whom will be mothers, who will recognize this kind of layer upon layer of life admin yeah. that you're talking about. I, I remember one section where you're actually away and you're talking over the um, FaceTime to your daughter, the Joybringer, and you can see in the background of the FaceTime a duvet that needs to be <laughs> taken to the dry cleaners. And I yeah. read that and was like, oh my God, that is all of us. Yeah. So you are like busy as yeah. hell. And so did you have a kind of routine that sort of like helped yeah, you? Yeah, I can't, it's really weird. I was trying to think that the other day. This is, this is a sizable piece of work. I know. No, I, well, a few things. Um, I, you at the start, because you were writing um, Unfiltered at the same time, and you, I think, had like a thousand word uh, goal a day. Yeah. So I was like, great, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, so that kind of got me started. Um, and you know the way the th- first 30,000 words, you're like, 
so easy. <laughs> Just writing away here. There's no feedback. There's no thought of structure or whatever. It's like, it's going to get it all down. Um, and then uh, I, like, I brought it on holiday. We we go away for a few weeks. My parents every year brought on holiday. I, this is, there's no way of saying this. It doesn't sound annoying. I went on a press trip to the Caribbean. Oh and my God, I, I remember this press trip to <laughs> Just violently hating you openly in our WhatsApp group. I know. I wrote like 15,000 words there. And, and I was thinking the other day, like, I probably could have done those somewhere else. Like, I really wasted that. I was like... The Caribbean island. Oh, wow. Well. Do you know? But I, I still did. I got it. You know, I enjoyed that trip. Nobody needs to feel sorry for me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think the best way to describe it for me was like, it felt like, do you remember the year of your leaving search where there was never like, you know, a Sunday afternoon where you'd be like... Oh, I'm just going to do whatever like my time is my own like it was just this always something to be done oh yeah I mean I like I don't think any of us remember it like in recent history it's just it's, exactly it's that, as you yeah. say it's the leaving cert yeah but like <laughs> so like that that feeling of like never really being able to take like you know because my daughter is kind of back and forth between me and her dad you know almost on the day like he's really involved and he sees her almost daily and I suppose so normally you might take some of that time to kind of you know chill when there's not a small child to be looked after where it was very much like do the book and you know that kind of thing and um yeah and like my family like I was so lucky like over Christmas you know she was kind of we were home with my parents but I would go back to my house during the day and you know write all day and whatever so yeah I look back now and think well, that was probably quite full on <laughs> oh yeah I suppose when you're do you know when you're coming out of a situation where everything's elevation your stress levels are elevation you're just kind of used to that it's yeah like, that's the time to like go into a big project because then you're just like <laughs> like I actually remember an editor of ours saying that to me ages ago we were like just off a big extra project and I was like what's next he's like no that wasn't the norm you, know, you need to like go back down to your normal level whereas I think guys probably like okay the stress of the separation's dying down but now I'm gonna throw just what a else can I put on this wire project. <laughs> I'm used to operating so now I'm just gonna be like what, what? a Sunday where I like, can just but did you enjoy it because it's like it's kind of coming full circle for you because you did English in college mm. you loved like loved books mm. I've I heard you talk about being in college and you were quite like I suppose, like slightly paralyzed by, you know, like a lack of confidence and things like that, which I think, oh, what a waste. But like, how do you now kind of, you know, reconcile those two layers? I know, yeah. Um, Two layers. layers. Here's future (laughs) Leah, me past Leah. Now, she's going to tell you to not crop your hair in 2007. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's that's actually so strange when you say that because like you were asking earlier about like putting out stuff that's really personal and now I'm very fine with that whereas like just the thought of somebody writing anything I had written Mm. when I was uh, a teenager or later in college was just absolutely paralyzing to me Mm. I think when you're young sometimes the thought of somebody knowing you yeah is really terrifying I think that's why like young people we tend like we I'm young still we tend to be (laughs) cynical it's a barrier you know because Mm. being kind of that's so true earnest and sincere is like the most terrifying thing to a teenager early matters to you like if you know you love writing Mm. but what if somebody sees it and they're like you know like that so it's kind of easier to just you know um so yeah no I really enjoyed the book I love um I loved writing I loved working with Kira my editor Mm. she's just was such a pleasure to work with and I also I love like that's when I went to Cass and asked her to do this podcast it was like 
I love writing about women's stories and uh, you know my own kind of background is I suppose looking at when things have gone wrong how do you then cope or not cope or what happens and how do you get through mm. and so I'm probably like I mean it's the backbone of every story since ever basically well, exactly. you know the way I, just, I mean so like you know I I love and I like I say like obviously it's a book about me but it's so informed by all the women that I interview and mm. the things and the story and the fact and the kind of sense of solidarity you know that you see in your common experience and I suppose that's mm. the other thing to say about writing a really honest book and I'm sure you've had this with recipes for a nervous breakdown that like thanks for the plug it's yeah <laughs> 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 I haven't read it get there um but like that's the other thing that people I suppose who obviously the, the few people who aren't writing memoirs about themselves like no the grand you know majority <laughs> of people who are not doing this that they I suppose you don't like that's a side of it that you get this amazing set you know the feedback with, yeah from yeah like very the, direct yeah feedback, exactly which does which is yeah. just helps you do you know what oh, I mean yeah. like writing the column originally it feels like a selfish act in so many ways because you are you're like just, no I get so much out yeah of, exactly like and yeah. that's what people don't see is that like you know they're like oh you're out there on your own writing this really personal book and you're like you've no idea there's so many women who dm me or and even just things like your interactions with people become so much more rewarding because people recognize something in you and you recognize it in them that you have had this experience and it doesn't need to be like and they feel safe mar- then yeah exactly you know, being and expansive can, with you exactly yeah. and like and you it's, so nice through. It, it's a global thing that we just need to cut the bullshit you know totally. what I mean so, so it just means you have like more you know I think anyone knows if we're being genuine our interactions are more satisfying and rewarding and mm. then we just feel better you know mm. so that's the other thing about just being honest is that then you do have this little kind of community or whatever or a community of experiences with people um you know and it doesn't need to necessarily be like they had the exact like you know we our situations were totally different oh yeah yeah but I feel like we you know went through so so much similar stuff absolutely and at the kind of same time exactly exactly so which is that uh you know when you were going through this ending of your marriage Mm. I was my dad was very sick with Mm. Alzheimer's Mm. and you Mm. know so I mean I leaned on you so much and vice versa I kind of you know we like I suppose something was forged between us yeah through just the commonality of what we were experiencing yeah and um like you are a fabulous like (laughs) bigger upper of other women's voices I mean this podcast all the work you do for I mean every uh, basically national publication worth reading um, <laughs> Leadon writes for and also roguecollective.ie um, you you know you really do um, lift up women's voices and you carried that over into How to Fall Apart the book because so earlier when you were like saying to the producer this is like if I'm reading in my diary it is so not because <laughs> the whole book is populated by this cast of amazing women friends family people Mm. that you've met that like you kind of like created this support network and it's so fab to like those pages where you're kind of interweaving their stories with your stories Mm. is exactly what we were just describing there Mm. um and you so wellness is actually becoming a bit of a (laughs) dirty word at the moment (laughs) just so funny but I think that your take on um on wellness uh is 
so sensible because mm-hmm. I think between chapters where you're talking about medita- your meditation retreats and like <laughs> I think when Leah first started talking to me about meditation I wrote this this is how journalists com- communicate in their friendships I wrote this really passive aggressive article called people telling you about their meditation practice is the new boring people with your dreams I remember that and now in fact I'm not that harsh I think I said to her I'm writing this piece yeah, yeah. and it's it's only half, and I also, half in jest. I won in the end. And she <laughs> won in the end, exactly, because you totally turned me over into meditation. And I've had to bloody <sighs> admit that you're right. But, you. um, <laughs> so sorry, you put in place this fabulous kind of framework. And in between talking about going off on retreats, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're also in another, the next chapter talking about the comfort of eating when you are Mm-mm. fucking falling apart. Mm-hmm. And it's that that I just love so much about how you deal in wellness in Mm. How to Fall Apart, the Mm. book, you know? So, I mean, for example, so you do talk about a retreat in London that you went to um, over a weekend. Mm. And it is so funny. Like, I just loved this whole scene um, because I think we can just get so po-faced when yeah. we're talking about our wellness practices. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just love that Emer, your mom, showed up and she was like, so cork, straight away, like, I'm top of the wellness class. <laughs> I've been meditating for 900 years. Um, and um, talk us through a little bit about getting into that yeah, so side of the woohoo, as I know. you say. Um, yeah, like it's funny you mentioned my mom because I was going to say like I think she would have created that kind of baseline where um, my parents, my brother and I weren't raised as religious or anything like that. But um, I suppose if it was anything that was maybe a humanist element to it where there'd be a belief in like the kind of basic goodness of people. Mm. But within that, a very, I was going to say, can we curse in this? I'm like, it's your podcast. You're <laughs> There'd be no kind of very down to earth, no bullshit kind of quality to it. Um and I think that maybe informed my own, like what I kind of gravitate towards then. Um, I definitely was much, would have been much more skeptical about, skeptical about things that I then also kind of came round to. Um, because I think with a lot of wellness stuff for me, the baseline was that it was generally like the meditation was actually taught by an amazing man called Michael in the London Meditation Centre. But mo- mostly it was women. And really what it came down to was women, groups of women kind of getting together and supporting each other. And that might be around a crystal meditation group or something else. But really you're gravitating towards the people, um, you know, and mm. that's kind of what was behind anything I kind of went into. Mum has always meditated and as is the way, well, I, she would always say to me, you should do it. And I'd go, no, no, I'm not going to now because mm. you told me to. Um, but after this happened, stress levels were off the charts. And so I did, um, I went and did a course in London and it was, and again, what I loved about it, like at the start, there was this whole kind of chanting session and I was like, oh God, I need to get out of here in a hot sweat. Like this is so not, you know, we're going to get spiritual and that's not me and can I escape? <laughs> Getting high. <laughs> yeah. And de- I'm so stressed about de-stressing. Totally. <laughs> uh, but then it dashed past and it was just Michael kind of explaining it and chatting and he was really like funny and witty and, um, and kind of very convincing about the power of it, which I think I always feel very lucky that I got that. Rather, like, you know, when you hear people saying, I tried the app and I couldn't get it. I think when you go get to go to a course and they really like get it into your head, this is worth trying. But instantly... And you're seeing the proof in an individual. Exactly, exactly. I mean, powerful. that's what he said himself. He worked... Um, 
I think he was in publishing or something and he said he had come across people of meditation and they all just always just seemed very calm and quite happy he was like I just want a piece of that mm. which you know mm. makes total sense or even like another woman that you do talk about in the book Lou mm. Lou Horgan who's Dublin based mm. and like just such a profoundly powerful woman yes kind of know yeah. to be in the presence yeah. of yeah. Yeah. and um, you know she has a similar kind of effect I think when yeah. you see her you just want a piece of that yeah you know? and I think the way Lou what I found about Lou is this the way she thinks about the world and she kind of slightly looks at things in a different way and how women operate in the world in a world that is largely designed with men in mind mm. um, and that to me was just just made me think about things differently you mm. know and 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 I suppose well, coming back to wellness the sense of how you need to look after yourself in a way that's actually right for you rather than what you might have been told so like you know I remember Lou saying something about like when we get our period and we're told like taking your event and put on the high heels and obviously that's cool if that's what you want to do yeah. but it made me think like she would say you know that those are days when you need to kind of retreat and yeah take it easy and you know it's a simple example but like it's not something that we're necessarily told to do and well we're told to do the opposite because in the kind of capitalist mm. patriarchal model it's you know there's no room for waxing and waning no it's in power your, through yeah it's yeah. like show up yeah yeah you know, don't let on and like Lou blue sky thinking cock on the block exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> so like that you know and I think for me again much of the wellness stuff was really just about women I suppose this is probably gonna sound quite woo but like sharing their wisdom or women mm. supporting each other mm. um you know or like taking a moment like like you said there a minute ago a lot of women probably reading this book are going to be like so much so many of us are multi-careers kids or parents we're looking after or all mm. running a house all that kind of stuff yeah. and so the wellness factor is really just about like maybe finding a little bit of space within that mm. to just like lighten the load for an hour or two and yeah and the thing is if crystals are providing you with the focus yeah. to carve yeah. that space who the fuck cares yeah. if they work yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm angry about the- <laughs> I mean, I very, feel very passionately that yeah. if it's a placebo, I don't care. No, I mean, the you way know, um, that's what I, I think that's the same with, say, like tarot cards and the I Ching, or just bring yeah. it over to my particular brand of woohoo. Mm. But like, I always remember doing the I Ching a lot when I was growing up with my cousin and mm. stuff. And mm. like, I don't think it was like, look, it's making me think about something here. That's it. And that's yeah. great. Yeah. Like, and that's I think all that's the is. thing. Merle O'Grady, um, okay. um, the way Merle describes who runs the Soul Society with Dawn. Mm. So Merle um, is a crystal practitioner and she describes crystals as like a talisman, I think is the word she used, but basically that they are little reminders around mm. your house. So she would have an association with these crystals. So, that, you know, it might be calm or it might be whatever. Mm. And just even spotting that around her house is a way of reminding yourself, okay, do I need to take it down a step? Am I, you know, running too high or whatever? And so, like you said there, whatever it is, doesn't matter if it works for you. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Absolutely. As long as you're harming anyone else, obviously. And I really loved, um, I mean, I know that I liked the whole bits about kind of just like accepting those days when we need to sit on the couch and eat bounties mm-hmm. instead of like the the powering through. Yeah. It grinds yeah. you down. That was my mum again. Like I remember, I remember when Sari was about two and you'll remember kind of hazing me with the like, I'm going to sleep for an hour at a time and you know that kind of thing and I was desperately trying to get back to this trainer that I used to go to ironically when I was just before I got married (laughs) because I loved it and I really enjoyed it before and I was like you know I remember saying to mum one day yeah I'm gonna get up at six tomorrow and go to the thing and she was like just looking at me with this look of like you 
idiot like what are you doing, are you doing that? you're like you're you know and I eventually kind like of there's days for that yeah this is not the Isn't, time in your life yeah, for this you yeah. know and so and again like in the aftermath of the separation saying to mom like uh you know oh I'm eating I feel like I'm not eating she was again the kind of like what you know and she brought out um uh what's her name who wrote um flourishing the really famous psychologist Maureen Gaffney oh there you go so uh Maureen Gaffney's big like it's actually a great quote of Maureen Gaffney's in here is there <laughs> so she says something about um she says she had a piece about you know food is there to comfort us you know and in a hard time you take your comfort where you can and if something's comforting you again yeah. in a good way you know not becoming like a kind of I do suppose negative coping mechanism yeah and you go with that someone was like you know and so I think that kind of idea of like the last thing you want to be doing in the middle of a crisis is giving yourself a hard time and I suppose that's where wellness maybe could be coming you know where it's like I should be you know doing loads of yoga classes or lighting candles and doing bubble baths and whatever like you're you know and my friend Maria who is in the book who I originally interviewed she's a kind of uh sort of kind of a life coach and she does a lot of like corporate coaching that kind of thing and dealing with people whatever she mentioned the concept of a wellness plan Mm. Uh, when I asked her like how do you keep your energy levels high because she's almost like a counselor you know so she's constantly giving to people and she's always so her she said oh I have a wellness plan and basically what that was was just a totally bespoke collection of hobbies and habits that keep you kind of feeling as much as possible kind of mentally buoyant so like for Maria it was swimming outdoors mm. um, and then she had like a breathing thing and it was meditation but it could be like a dance class or a coffee with a friend or gardening so like it's not like taking on wellness as something that you should be doing because Instagram has told you to do it's like what are the things that when I think about it I naturally gravitate towards because they make me feel good yeah and so that was I suppose the angle I was coming at wellness from is just uh, like I remember Marie saying to me like if you have a wellness plan in place anyway then you're going to cope better in a crisis but like you can still start it in the middle of a crisis but it's just those little things mm. that like just try and you know keep you kind of like I say buoyant I suppose so I think it is interesting because the thing with like yoga and meditating mm. I think our generation's I- impulse is to try and make those into kind of quantifiable goals mm. I think about it every time I see so somebody true. doing Adrienne's 30 day yoga challenge <laughs> I'm like my god that is a stick to beat yourself with with <laughs> and I know when I was having kind of different hard times and like dealing with stress I started to go running which I've always done on and off loved running for years Mm. but I stopped measuring distances times Mm. I just ran to get the feelings that it gives me and it changed exercise for me so much and it actually brought into a much healthier space totally and that's where like in the book I describe how um when I did start going back because I knew exercise did make me feel better um but eventually I just joined our local gym and tell myself you can go in and like literally just make it into the room and then leave or do one thing and I totally took the pressure and there were certain days where I would just go sit in the play zone with you and Rue and Sari mm. and that would be enough I just <laughs> made it to a, like an exercise adjacent, adjacent kind of environment <laughs> so I think that's so true is that you need to take out any sense of like like Maria always says if some if you're using the word should then that should be like an alarm bell you know because you've probably gone into a bit of a negative thing so if you're shoulding yourself 
Yes. That's not a great, yeah, yeah. Really good. It's a good one, um, isn't it? Like just little signifier That's there, it. isn't She's it? She's so good on all those things. And like, again, it's just that little, like it sets an alarm bell now. If I mm. hear, like if somebody's shutting me or I'm shutting myself. Um, but yeah, so I think it's just like, what are the things that make you feel good, mm. you know, and do it that way. And in you talked there a moment ago about, oh, sorry, you talked a moment ago about Maureen Gaffney and mm. you've quoted her in the book. Um, saying that a messy car is a sign that your life is in some way out of control. <laughs> I'm not um, feeling hated on by this. But um, you do go into kind of like like the very practical stuff of mm. remaking a home mm. in the book. Mm. And I love these passages actually mm. where you talk about that because like you talk about kind of making it, you know, a, wom- a girl's home like with your daughter. Yeah, and yeah. it's just so... Like it's something that you think on paper should be sad, um, but it's so joyful in the book. You have a chapter literally called The Things and <laughs> it's it's really beautiful and it's, it's short, but it opens with the line, there are things you think will always bother you, will always just slightly break your heart. They won't. And you're detailing... Um, a very satisfying intensive bout of decluttering (laughs) where you've gotten rid of like half of the toys and shite basically (laughs) that like we're always doing battle with as parents to to pack off to your ex's new house Mm -hmm. and what is to be the new house of your daughter as well Mm -hmm. and um I know that you worked with um a professional yes. on this too yeah. yeah tell us a little bit about that yeah Sarah Reynolds I wrote a, I did an interview with her for the Sun Independent and then <coughs> like with any of the women I'm writing the book was like I need more of this you're fantastic yes tell um, me your ways yeah and she um as she has t- talked about in her own book um with Gil and her uh in interviews she her relationship ended as well and she they were engaged and she had been the stepmother to his children for years so it was a very very traumatic yeah, yeah. very difficult. um and so sarah came in and it was genuinely the best three hours i think i spent in the first whatever year or two of year of the divorce after the separation um and she really got it because she understands you know like we were going through stuff and like my marriage search came out and with somebody mm. else that could be really <clears> awkward <throat> but i think when you're in that and it, that quote from Maureen gaffney is from her book flourishing and i remember reading it and it's just something about the like granular quality of it kind of hit me that's <laughs> such a buzzword for journalism at the moment. I know I feel like we've ticked every box yeah. we need to unpack something yeah. next <laughs> have we been on a journey <laughs> um, but like just that like oh these little signs and like I mean obviously everything Maureen says is gospel in our house but my car is always gonna be messy whether or not my life is in control so I'm not yeah. sure but, but like that that stuff it's like you're taking back control of your life you know mm. that you get to the point where you're like oh like okay it's no longer like you know, when somebody moves out, at first there's like these gaps, mm. you know, or like, like I remember when, when my mother-in-law died, we took all her stuff and it just sat on a table for months. Yeah. And when I, like we live in a two up to down, you know, we didn't have the space for that, but we just, I think it's like, you can only deal with things in increments. Mm. So it's like, we're dealing with the fact that she's gone. We can't really take on board, like going through her stuff and like doing the like, what's, what are we going to keep thing? And so I think it's the same when somebody leaves, you know, and they'd be like, that's where his lamp was or that's where his book of 500 best movies or whatever, these little things. Mm. And you're just not really able to face like, pasting you know 
they're, they're, you just can't really deal with them at no, the start. No, completely, yeah. You know, and so, but then as you get better and you're more able and the upset is lessening, then it becomes, like you say, like an enjoyable project of mm. like, okay, we haven't moved, but now this is, you know, <clears> and like remember Sarah saying to me, you know, oh, leave a bit of space in the wardrobe for, um, I was going to say canvas not canvas Frank Shui. For <laughs> 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 like, you know, to possibly invite somebody else Freudian in. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's never, no, I'm never, this is mine and Sarah's home. Like, there's no other person moving in here. And it was, became like really satisfying. And like, even now, like we're, well I say we my parents are very kindly painting the floors in her room and it's like I'm you know like just doing it up a little bit and it's so satisfying you know making your home and like I remember my mum saying to me really early on you know when I was worried about Sarah you know she said she'll be okay you've built a really solid home for her Mm. and that really meant so much and she that was really understanding that like that's so important both for you and also for your child if you can you know I was very lucky to be able to enjoy you know to have that that like there was you know it's it's just comforting I think to be like I've this is our home this is our base yeah you know and um and kind of tend to that you like tend tending to your home is in a way tending to yourself you know Mm. it's a form of I'm gonna say it's self-care um because if you're creating you're you know you're like I want to be in a nice environment you know like it's the same in the way that like you said it to me you were like oh you're starting to get like your hair blow dried and your nails done occasionally like once you know one nail but like or one manicure but you're when you're coming out of the worst you're ready to start like looking after your own life yeah yeah in a way that you're not ready to at the hardest parts you know absolutely and I loved that um you know you talk about in the book but I obviously got to witness it as well Mm -hmm. the um I call it the floral dress (laughs) apocalypse (laughs) of 2018 that would be fair um but it was such a beautiful <laughs> you know just kind of like just a beautiful visual representation <laughs> of you in full bloom basically <laughs> I mean can we quote the famous Mary O'Sullivan quote <laughs> we don't have to yeah, of course you can cut this you like, call the book. <laughs> my own mother said <laughs> to you at one point you said no you because I you I want to or have we ruined it by power like just have we moved it beyond what she originally said exactly into an in joke between us but it, this is my mother's a very particular kind of person basically <laughs> and like so you have to take this with like a hefty pinch of salt but she basically said something like Leah divorce becomes you <laughs> <laughs> which is just so her and she did not mean it cruelly this is the highest compliment you could pay I'd say yeah but it was beautiful just seeing you like I suppose just like it is taking care of yourself in the way that you enjoy and look it's not everybody's thing no to like bang on the 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 makeup makeup. and the high heels but for some of us it's a kind of armor too that's it and it felt a bit like do you know when you stop breastfeeding and you oh my god I'm dying to you you I well I don't know if this universally but you kind of I remember having like it was like a layer of puppy fat or something that like mm, yeah dro- you know and it's like you've been carrying that like as probably that's a really bad analogy but like I don't know you're when you're in a really difficult situation there's only you're kind of you're carrying stuff do you know what I mean yeah and you're and I think it's it it reminds me a bit of those early days with with a baby where there's only room for so much 
you know, you're getting through the day. Oh yeah. You know, I remember seeing friends um, who I met when Sarah was born and I had my hair, uh, my highlights done six months in. They didn't recognize me. I was like, no, this is what, this is who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm blonde. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm this, back this to me. This is the new me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and so all that stuff kind of gets parked. Um, and I suppose what I mean about the, ba- like that, I, I'm, so I don't want to say something like baby weight and I don't want to sound critical about weight, but more just that like, you're, you're, there's a protective layer around you. You you're know, kind of cocooning. You're cocooning. To borrow a exactly, phrase. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's I think what at it, that's that point, how it has to be. And that's, you know, when you're going through something traumatic or grieving, you're vulnerable and you need like, I mean, I have a blankie cardigan. Yes. For example. I had like, a full length dressing gown yeah, that yeah. I used as a blanket. And you yeah. just kind of, you're not ready to be visible. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know the totally. way? And I think yeah. so. That was when I just was like, oh, Leah's kind of like really coming through something. That's it. Then you like shed that like. Because you're having fun with your clothes again, which is obviously not the way everyone expresses themselves. But you did. You do. You know, it's something you love. And so it's lovely to come back to the things you love. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, you're no longer just the person who's like getting through the day. And what you need from your clothes is like a layer of armor. Like Mm. I bought a long, full full length coat that was like the equivalent of a duvet because I wanted comfort that's all I wanted and then you know as you get through it you're you're those duvet coats I thought they just gave them out when you turned 40 (laughs) 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 it's a very nice one it's beautiful the khaki one yes I'm obsessed with that I love it (laughs) nice backtrack (laughs) (laughs) and so did you have to go around to everyone who's mentioned in these pages and be like, you're in a book. Yeah. Will you okay this for me? Yeah, so... Um, What's that like? <laughs> As you know well. I, like, I honestly, I just, I just kind don't of do like, it. I just don't talk about those people. Um, <laughs> I mean, generally it was fine. Like some of the people most involved, like you, my mum, my brother, kind of knew as I was going along what I was writing about. It was great. You're very used to this kind of thing, you know, mm. which is really the kindest thing you can do to somebody who's writing a book. My well, my dad actually, you'll probably kill me for saying this. I, he hasn't read it yet, and I, <laughs> I'm saying to him, I, I'm kind of, I'm saying to mom actually on the way in. To be honest, that's an act of generosity. If I, if somebody says to you, I'm writing a book about you, and the, and you say, Grant. I'm going to read it when my own copy arrives. Oh, yeah. That is so well, trusting. Well, I would say trust, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so nice. So, like, his his, his um, DPD delivered it to the wrong house. Um, so, he, so, like, that was great. That's I actually, just love that he bought it. Oh, yeah. That's they, very good. They all bought their own copies. That's yeah. Um So, like, that is amazingly trusting and fabulous because, yeah, there's definitely tension in being like, oh, God, is it going to be okay? And, you know, Obviously, you will change anything that anyone wants, but at the same time, you're oh, like, but it's gonna be a ball, yeah, exactly. and you're gonna hate them for it because <laughs> <laughs> you've just spent more than a year yeah, going through it. this. You're like, it'll never be the way. But luckily, I suppose because there's nothing kind of negative. Um, I mean, in fair, you know, my family. Apart from that, very... bit about your dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's coming. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I there's was nothing very, negative, very... but it is hard, I think, for people That's who are it, written yeah. about because yeah. you have to cope with the fact that somebody else is representing. You. No, and I don't mean to sound like <laughs> flippant in their in return in, 
in regard to their generosity and just letting me write about them because exactly even if it's positive it's still exposing mm. and it's not their job you know I'm a journalist that's not their you know so they were really uh, I don't think there was I don't think they took out any my mom took out one thing that was it was something about. You're going to tell us people. the thing that your mom took out. No, Do I'm just it. Refer to this is the splash of the podcast. It wasn't personal at all, but it was just something that referred to like cork people do things a certain way. It's like that's so cork that you want me to take that out. Oh my god, that's amazing! Because I said something about cork people on Twitter the other day, and my mom, like, Both our ju- we are need from cork, to say yeah. like all our families. Well, yeah, all my family and half your family yeah. cork. And um, I was yeah, she had the exact same thing. She was like, "Don't go and." near Twitter and Cork people yeah. like <laughs> she's not even on Twitter she doesn't know what it is but she knows that it must be volatile yeah. <laughs> um yeah no that's uh that's very Cork <laughs> look we love them we love them because of it um I suppose uh I it was interesting when you were saying there a minute ago about making the home for Sari mm. and I just for the purpose of a very neat package of a podcast, we opened with the opening line of the book, mm. um, you know, which is nobody goes into a marriage thinking it will fall apart. And the final line of the book is really beautiful. And I think it really sum- sums up how the book comes full circle mm-hmm. and is such a celebration. And it's just such a joyful book. Um, I cannot wait to get home to her, your daughter, for she is home. Mm. And I think that's so beautiful that like, you know, you're saying about making a home for her, but she is so mm. central to that. And mm. Sarah uh, is such a wonderful young mm. girl, woman, um, <laughs> daughter, child, um, absolute dote. And she kind of runs through the whole of how to fall apart as mm. just this beautiful foil to the grief. Mm. And I suppose, you know, how do you feel about putting her in the book? Yeah, I mean, I was obviously very conscious of that. And I suppose I was a bit used to it because I'd written a column for a few years. Um, so I was kind of aware of what my boundaries were. Mm. And um, and as a daughter, you know she's going to read it. And oh, you yeah. know she's going to read probably, it yeah. <laughs> in the year 2022 <laughs> when she's nearly a teenager, yes. ready to... 2022, oh my God, my maths, 2028 or something. <laughs> anyway, and like, yeah, it's, yeah, you know. I mean, I was I definitely... I think it's brave. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I was really conscious of her and uh, finding a line between wanting to give a sense of who she is just because... I'm so grateful for who she is yeah. and I I know it's a really you know I'm sure every par- parent thinks this but she's very joyful and she's yeah you know I think she's very special obviously my mother um but then not going over too much into um things that would be too um you know like small children have just such a turn of phrase and they say things that are amazing and there would be so many oh things God, and yeah. you think oh or even I suppose as she gets older things realizations about how how she is realizing that her parents are separated i didn't put any of that in the book because that's her private matter Mm. you know so uh i think there's a line where without being like i wrote a generic child you can write enough that it's not too revealing of no, Her absolutely you know, not. I mean, sense. it's it's impressionistic. Yeah. Um, you kind of, I think, with Sarah in the book, really get a sense of her spirit. 
you know, but you're not detailing her life. You're no. not detailing her day to day. Yes. Um, but she is just such a, you know, just a constant in the pages. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's so gorgeous. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> She'll probably read it and be like, what were you thinking? What? Um, no, I mean, I, it's something I gave a, a great amount of thought to. And I knew what my line was between, like I say, revealing her reaction to the things that are detailed in the book that's not there you know oh yeah no that that's hers yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's really um I think that's really nice that like it's clearly very considered mm. and so I'm a guest host on this podcast <laughs> but I am aware that this is a podcast about picking up pieces <laughs> because I love this podcast and I Thank listen so. all the time um and so how to fall apart the book ends on this really uplifting scene mm. of you and your absolutely gorgeous family. Mm-hmm. And every one of them, like from Dara and Song, your brother and sister-in-law to be, mm. um, you know, to Kieran and Emer and to Sari, they all just kind of like pop from the pages. And I genuinely, I think that it's hard to read it without being envious. <laughs> That you guys uh. just have this amazing family. Uh. Um, you're like an Irish equivalent of, and this is the best compliment I can pay to any family at all. You know, there's kind of like a uh, sort of Upper East Side, sort of sprawling <laughs> New York family of eccentrics. But you don't hate them. You love them. <laughs> but, you know, your parents are kind of like, you know, yeah. they're hippies. <laughs> you know, Darren Song or Dotes. Um, and I love that final scene where you're actually celebrating the soon to be birth of this book mm-hmm. at the end of the book, which is, is just gorgeous. And so kind of coming through it all. Mm. Do you have a sense of being put back together, of picking up these pieces and kind of being reassembled? Mm. How do you see yourself on the other side of all this now? Um, yeah, so I th- what I think is, uh, you know, people talk about, oh, this was meant to happen for a reason and that kind of thing. Hmm. I get why they say that. I, I don't, I, I really do, because yeah. I think sometimes it's easier to try and assert some kind of control of a narrative hmm. over... I don't think uh, my feeling would be, you know, shit, things just happen sometimes and life is really awful sometimes and there isn't meaning in them. But Hmm. what you can do is in your how your your reaction to what has happened and how you respond to it. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go to Brene Brown. I listened to one of her episodes the other day with the guy who co-wrote, worked with the woman who wrote the five stages of grief book originally. And he has just written a new book, which is a sixth stage. Um, for fuck I know for fuck's sake don't add a stage Elizabeth I'm sorry I don't know her surname she (laughs) never wants to return to them but he he told his own story he lost his son when his son was in his 20s and he came upon these essays he'd written before his son died where he was already thinking about this sixth stage and it was about meaning Mm. so after acceptance can you find meaning in it and the way he describes it is he will never not regret his son's dying that's never going to be a thing that he can say this was meant to happen or bring any of that Brene also feels that's not necessarily she's not in agreement with that theory but he says something like you know I I will always be glad that I got to be his father and that if my son that my son was alive I was his father and he you know kind of thinks of things like that so he talks about if something awful happens if you can eventually and he says like you know people say to him I haven't found meaning and they're like two three months into something but oh yeah if you can eventually that there's a stage in grief beyond acceptance which is meaning and I could really 
reson- I could really um, relate to the conversation they were having there in the sense that like, you know, what we were talking earlier about, like your interactions, when you talk about stuff like this and write about stuff like this, it changes your relationships with people. It deepens a lot of the existing relationships or the new relationships that you have. Mm. Um, it's made me t- to work on that book and the column things fall apart an image that inspired it um it's maybe a better journalist to you know think about all these things and to you know and I and I it's given me like this is what I love to do I love to write about women's lives and I love to interview women and so I could listening to that are you (laughs) (laughs) distracting when the person you're talking to starts welling up so that really you know now I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Damn you. Um, well, you just quoted Brené. Yeah, right? I, know, I, I know. don't know what you expected. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll be Oprahing next. Yeah, um, but that really spoke to me. I suppose of like, and that really resonated with me. That like, you know, and maybe that's why I didn't feel that nervous about the book coming out because, mm. you know, um, I went through this hard thing, nowhere near as hard as, for example, losing your child or a lot of the other stuff people go through. But it, I feel like. I am at that stage of meaning mm. with my the loss and the what happened. Um so yeah. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> that is beautiful. That's Brene, really. I think I'm really welling up because I think I what I saw so much of this at close range unfold. Mm. So I think it really for everyone who kind of knows you and to know you is to love you. Oh, um, and I love you tears. very much. Sophie, Honestly, same. you know, <laughs> we don't, neither of us have a sister, so we'll be sisters. Time. We are sisters. We are. But I love you too. My goodness. I think it really, <laughs> you know, for everyone who loves you, it is so, so beautiful to see you come to this place. And I think this is a huge act of generosity to share everything that you went through in the last three years and to share it like so, uh, you know, with such positivity and genuine, you know, just leveling with people, you Mm. know, it's just, uh, you know, there's a lot of people just not doing that (laughs) out there and not being like, look, it's fucking hard every day, you know. So... Thank you so much for letting me uh, take, take over your podcast this week. Thank you so week. much for inter- coming on and doing <laughs> such a beautiful interview and doing so much research and th- putting so much thought into it. Oh my God, my absolute pleasure. I love this book. I really, really well, do. It it's, wouldn't I've have ruined my first hard without, copy of it, so uh, I'll be buying a new clean copy. Your encouragement. Just... <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> on that note of mutual appreciation. <laughs> Thanks um, so much, though. And if you appreciate Leah... Which I'm sure you do if you listen to this podcast. <laughs> Rate and review the podcast in iTunes. Nice. That's something free <laughs> that you can do. And <laughs> also buy How to Fall Apart because genuinely there is just so much identification in all these pages for literally everyone. Like if you've lived, this book will resonate with you. Thank you. So much.